Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio and specifically Dispatches from the Verge. Uh, Today, David and I sit down and discuss um, this idea of God's will for us, uh, meaning, our meaning in life, our meaning towards life, uh, whether it's sort of a predetermined thing that God has for us or um, just some of the different perspectives in and around that stuff. It's a great interview, great conversation. uh, But before we get into that, thank you to Diego at Recording Moving Studios. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about Desert Rain uh, community, theruined.com is a place to check that out. Uh, for other episodes, whether it's Dispatches from the Verge or uh, Road to Desert Rain, drcrpod.com as well as wherever you might have found this if you're listening through a podcatcher. Uh, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. Uh, if you could could tell two friends this week, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, it helps us uh, little guys with the marketing budget that's non-existent. And we appreciate you. Let's get into it. Desert Rain Community Radio. I'm here with David Morrison. Hello, sir. Good morning. How are you? Not too bad. We're we're in a playful mood this morning. Um, Dispatches from the Verge is uh, our series. Um, Road to Desert Rain is the other series that you can you can find from Desert Rain Community Radio. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, today we're uh, we kind of have a general outline we're going to try to follow, but uh, I think we're going to start off with um, this idea um, that is, it's definitely popular in, in Christian circles, um, God's will. Yes, um, the grand plan the grand God plan. has for your life. Uh, everything meaning, happens for a purpose. Yeah, everything. People love to say that. Uh, the meaning of life, I, I would say, is sort of the secular version of that. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so so maybe you could start us off, David, with that, just kind of um, within the Christian circles, how you understand this idea that that God has a plan for everybody, and and sort of how to how that's articulated to to congregations in general. Yeah. Well, and I'll just go with my experience. Yeah. Being a young, a teenager in the charismatic kind of world. Um, and, and probably Catholicism would do the same thing at the parish level. Mm. God has a plan for your life. Uh, and, and so you have to figure out that plan. And it's always elusive uh, unless you're uh, faking it. You know, God spoke mm. to me and said, I'm going to be a missionary. So there was a lot of that. Uh, but there was this inner underlying desperation to know what this plan is. What, what is mm. God's will for my life? Um, so that, uh, you know, and so you don't mess it up, you know. And so then, you know, as people grow older, a divorce comes or a tragic death in their family or an illness, cancer, 
addiction, uh, you know, life, yeah. life happens. Um, now they're on God's B plan, God's mm. C plan. And it, it really does a lot of damage to people. I regret, you know, t- I mean, I just was following the teaching that I was given in, in my twenties. Um, and you know, so I regret that kind of thinking. I wouldn't tell young people that now at all. In fact, I'd tell them, have told them the opposite of that. Um, and so, or maybe not the opposite, but, but that there is no, maybe a, maybe a metaphor would work better. Yeah. Uh, God does not, if God were an artist, God would not be a paint by numbers artist. Mm. The numbers are not predetermined. Uh, I know Calvinism is very popular right now and Christian circles, popular Christianity, um, you know, cause every age, uh, a new uh, demonic beast comes out of the fiery pits of hell and raises its ugly head. And so Calvinism is one of those. And uh, so, so God predetermines everything in your life and it's all paint by numbers. Interesting. And uh, so I've adopted, no, God is a collage artist and takes the photographs of your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the really ugly, and, and is able to create a pattern, an image, a meaning, even beauty from all of that. Well, I would even take that one step further and say, uh, not only a collage artist, but a multimedia artist. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. He uses sculptures in some places, pictures yeah. in other places, paint, charcoal. Yeah. What and it, it looks you know. very chaotic on, yeah. the, on the close up, right? Yeah. But there's an overarching beauty that's emerging. So that's kind of what I believe on a good day. And that, and that, that kind of um, I might I might have this off, but that kind of parallels uh, this I- the idea from uh, Victor Frankel, right? You know that that we kind of find meaning in the chaos of our life, right? I think and, so. Yeah. And his example, or it's not even an example. That's <laughs> a that's a that's a poor poorly worded way. Uh, his life was within a concentration camp. Right. And he shares about not only the horrific things he went through there, but the the ways he was able to find meaning or those around him were able to find meaning. Yeah. And even the darkest of dark, right? Yeah. And so I think his later teaching was uh, the, the purpose of life is not to be happy or, pr- or the pursuit of happiness. It doesn't, it will always fail you basically. Mm-hmm. But, it's to have a life with meaning. And meaning, I don't think, is something that is external, you know, where you go find it. It's lost. Mm. So you have to go find it like a pair, of, you know, like car keys or something. Uh, it emerges within the chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, so do we manufacture it or does God send it um, externally? Uh, you know, who knows? I think it emerges within us, though. You know? well, and I, I mean, I know for me... And I, who knows? I mean, I, I don't think it even answers the question you just posed. But through prayer, through silence, through meditation, it's able to um, bubble to the surface, if you will. Yeah. You know, and it might not be the first hundred times I sit down in silence. Right. <laughs> it might right. be the hundred and first time where something yeah. sort of pops up and bubbles to the surface. Um. And it might not even be that quickly, right? Yeah, like it yeah. Could be years of sitting, and it's a, it's a 
you know, it's a big deal. People really want to know, is there, is my life heading anywhere? Mm. It's a huge, you know, we're, we're here, today's the 20th anniversary of September 11th, and there's that horrific image of uh, the falling man. Mm. He's just tumbling to his death, and, uh, and that really is the, the iconic image of our age, mm. of just this tumbling into nihilism, into meaninglessness, uh, not knowing what's up, what's down. Uh, I think a lot of people, and so that's why we see, uh, particularly in Christianity, I noticed it after 9-11, uh, the church got mean. Really? Uh, yeah, very mean, got fearful. Uh, I remember the uh, fearful stuff. Instead of going into uh, true introspection and prophetic repentance and mm. lamentation, they went into patriotism. Our country went into patriotism. Our pa- yeah, our country went instead into patriotism of, for sure. Yeah, instead of saying, you know, why? what can we do to prevent, you know, this from happening again? Instead, we went with patriotism. And, but we're the, we're the absolute good guys. They're the evil mm-hmm. ones. Um, so, therefore, anything we do is a part of the plan. There you go again. The plan for God's, good. God's plan. Yeah, and the next thing you know, we're torturing people. And, uh, and the photos are surfacing within a year or whatever it was, and we're not so much the good guys. Wait, so you don't think Abu Ghraib was part of God's plan? Yeah, I, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that. I mean that is. I mean, regardless of what it's you know connected to, it did go to that place of torture and. Yeah, we became um, the monsters. What's that it we, called? Black sites or black. Yeah, black op sites, or yeah, where they were housing prisons, housing people yeah. on without anyone, yeah, kids, no one kids knew they were there. Um, and then you know, and then they were publicly doing it at Gitmo as well. Yeah, you know? and just recently, the the drone strike in Afghanistan, as we were pulling out, which made it all, all twenty years of meaninglessness. Uh, uh, the the so called suicide bomber that they killed was an aid worker bringing water being greeted by kids and that's who was actually killed. I saw that this morning. And mm. so, yeah, so people are desperately wanting to be grounded in something. Uh, you know, it's just because the chaos of life and the randomness of life and the fragility of life, it really, you know, people don't dangle gracefully in those kinds of things. And so they run to certitude, become addicted to certitude. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this ironclad plan that God has uh, for my life, uh, that kind of thing, and and it hasn't, it doesn't serve people well. There's an alternative to it. Well, and I think it 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 especially doesn't serve people well when the I know you and I have talked about it on mic, and we've talked about it extensively away from the microphones, but when life punches you in the face, right, right, right like when when real you know unexpected death, like you were saying. Yeah some terrible accident or illness, um, whatever, you know, whatever it can be, people aren't, when they're, when their foundation is some sort of certitude and then something totally out of left field comes, uh, it could, it can wash away that foundation overnight. Yeah. How could this be God's plan? Yeah. Because, because we usually associate God's plan, God's will with something good for us. Yeah. So when things go badly, then they, you know you blame the devil, or you blame the liberals, or somebody like that, you know. And um, and it's no, it's uh, even in the gospel readings, uh, the, the one for tomorrow, 
the disciples have an idea of what messiahship should be, mm. and then Jesus has a different idea, right? <laughs> and it's and the two don't, you know, the two never meet, and and so it's it's often like that. We have an idea of what life should be, mm-hmm. and then there's there's the randomness, fragility. And you see that in Christ. You see God submitting to absolute vulnerability, fragility, and randomness of, of life and becoming the oppressed to the maximum point. Well, and even, so, even to step back to the Hebrew scriptures, Job, right? Yeah. He had, he had the A-plus family, A-plus right, business, right. A-plus house, A-plus health, right? Like yeah. everything, you, everything good you could want. You know, and then his life. You know, whether whether you want to discuss the part where they're playing parlor games, yeah, yeah, uh, they being God and Satan, but the chaos of life flips. Yeah, exactly. his health goes away. His his family family dies. Yeah, his business goes away. So on and so forth. And so it's for me that's just a um, sort of pointing at a north star of like we don't we don't know. I don't know. Maybe some other people do, but I don't know what's around the corner of my life. Right. Good, bad, or indifferent. No, I read about the plane that crashed into the Pentagon. There was a conference room that was hit full of people. Uh, a group went left down the hall. Another group went right. And that determined that whole, the group that went left died, Oof. all of them. So uh, I, have a, I have a crazy story. One of the officers I served with on the submarine – I wish I could remember his name. He was the weapons officer. He was at the Pentagon on 9-11. And after the first plane hit, his superior said, hey, research all you can find. Uh, I think they were 747s. Were those the jets that were Uh, were used? Whatever the jet was. Commercial airliner. Yeah, whatever the commercial airliner was. His superior said, hey, look, find out as much information as you can and bring it to me. So he, he, you know, did did quick research and left his office to brief. um, It wouldn't have been a general, I don't think, but brief his superior. And while he was briefing his, that part of the Pentagon was hit by a plane. Wow. Yeah. And and I mean, that's randomness, right? Yeah, exactly. um, People don't like that. You know, they don't want that in their religion. They don't want that in their (laughs) spirituality and, you know, and it's, but it's, uh, it's just terrible when reality disagrees with your opinion. And well, I think it know. comes down to because we can even step back from Christianity, right? And, and anybody that thinks they know something for certain, right? Reality is going to change that, yeah, in the long run. Like, as far as like on a timeline, yeah, your certitude, your certitude is going to fail in some way, shape, or form, and it needs to. That's what I'm saying. Hmm. The spirituality of the gospel is it, your your certitudes need to fail you. Mm-hmm. I think that is the cross. It's uh, it's every image, every idea that you could ever have of God in Jesus Christ. It dies there on the cross. Mm. It it goes away. It's buried in the earth uh, and reborn again, resurrected. Uh, not resuscitated. It's not, you know, it wasn't a resuscitation. He's not a zombie, uh, <laughs> but but resurrected into a new creation. And right. That's, that's what we're talking about here. Um, and so, but it's a painful process, you know. Uh, if if I already have the set plan for my life, that God has already, you know, or preordained, you know, that 
very popular to preach that. And there's some, and there are some scriptural verses on that, uh, you know. But most of those people that wrote those verses also died horrible deaths. So don't forget that, <laughs> particularly the New Testament ones uh, and the prophetic ones in the Jewish scriptures. Well, for sure, the prophetic you know, ones. Yeah. Uh, so, um, sort of piggyback on that idea. So you just mentioned this idea of like planning our life out. Right. And I feel like culturally, you know, you could use the word preached or you could use the word taught either way, even just when within our school system, right? I can remember from a very early age, like needing to figure out you know, we would take like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right, right. You know, and the older you got, those questions, like, they got more serious of exactly. like, you know, well, what, how are you going, what are you going to do to make it to university, right? What do you, what are you going to do yeah, after what's your university? Plan? What's yeah. Your... Um, and so within that context, and it, I mean, it, it, your insight is, is useful here too, because you were, you did uh, spend time as a teacher. You know, and and so, how how do we integrate that in for like middle school and high school kids? Being like, yeah, you need to make a plan, but also being able to, um, I don't know if instruct or remind this idea in and around randomness, chaos, yeah, the unknown. Like, how how do we integrate that into uh, just trying to help someone be more uh, more, you know, I, I, more rounded, more well-rounded in that idea. Yeah. The, when I was teaching the, the AP kids, the kids in advanced placement mm -hmm. struggled with that issue more so. And I noticed a pattern, um, after a couple of years of teaching, I noticed a pattern that the overachieving kids, you know, from elementary on, mm -hmm. And I would and I would give this speech every year. After a while, I would say there there are two types of uh, there are, you know two types. There are many types, but I'm going to talk about two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's one type when you were in first grade and there was the parent teacher conference. You you just the your little heart was pitter pattering at home, waiting for your parents to come home to hear those words that would release the endorphins in your brain that would say, oh. Uh, Carlos is a good boy, <laughs> right? Uh, Gloria is a wonderful child. And then your little brain would feel the melted butter go over it, and you became addicted to the system at that point. Mm -hmm. You became addicted to affirmation of achieving something. Uh, and you've been in a, and this has been, this system has really been your heroine yeah. all this time. And here you are, now you're a senior in high school. You're going to lose your uh your hookup now you're gonna lose that i said and then there's others of you you've been nothing but average and you've been unknown and you've been invisible and you've been in you just go through it and you, do, you just do what you do yeah uh and i said uh you're gonna do very well in the next couple of years because you know who you are for the most part the other ones you're going to struggle it's going to be hard because you're going to have to get off the addiction of affir affirmation and people saying you're so good because you achieve something academically. You're gonna if you go to college, um, you're just another dork now. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit that you have a 3.8, right? Whatever it is, nobody cares. 
thank you for sharing. Nobody cares. Um, and so, so I said, and the, and the rest of you who've been kind of in the background and you didn't receive that affirmation, you've had to, re- you've had to make your own way for what affirms you as a human being, mm. as a person. And so that's going to exist outside of the academic system. And, uh, and so you could feel the, it was a heavy talk because you could. Well, it's true. Like, it's oh, a shit, true talk. He's, he's speaking truth. Yeah. He's a crazy man, but he's speaking truth. Well, and I, I definitely fell under the, I knew how to play the system well. Right. And so I, you know, I did like your, t- that idea of the endorphins being released for achieving something within this structured system very much, you know, played to my, uh, what's it called? Played to my advantage. Yeah, I saw this this quote on on Facebook, and I don't even know who. Uh, I think they stole it from Twitter, who stole it from Instagram, who stole it from. I, so there's no uh, real uh, name to it. Someone named Melanie Italian Lau. So nice. I, I, I don't, <laughs> and I don't even know if she's quoting someone else right. or whatever. Uh, but this is this is very good. It's, she says Western cultures believe. We must be alive for a purpose, mm. to work, to make money. Some indigenous cultures believe we're alive just as nature is alive, to be here, to be beautiful and strange. We don't need to achieve anything to be valid in our humanness. And so, so that's really, you know, and the gospel is an indigenous uh, message, you know, it's it's the message of the oppressed mm-hmm. and God's solidarity with the oppressed, uh, and, uh, uh, versus the empires mm-hmm. of the world, whether it's Rome or Greece or uh, uh, the United States of America, or you know, or the pop culture empire that we're in now. So you have to validate yourself constantly by what you achieve, what you what you do, and then that becomes tied into to religion. That's God's will for me. That's God's plan. I have a set of gifts. I have to, you know, uh, I mean, if you've ever seen any plaque or any, those, those cheesy posters, I don't know if they have them so much. In, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, when you went into any doctor's office. Oh, the inspirational. Inspirational yeah, quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it would, like, say a quote and then underneath it, courage or whatever. Yeah, with a sunset. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. The, the bald eagle flying uh, across. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and it's very common one was, uh, you know, uh, your life is God's gift to you and mm. what you give back is, is your gift to God, back to God, you know. Uh, what you accomplish is your gift back to God. And, and then that's not invalid. That's not a, you know, it's a good thing to do something creative and to put something new, something creative, something beautiful in the world. Uh, I'm not, I'm not against, I'm saying that can't be the core of who you are at the end of the day. The core of who you are is that you are beloved. Well, and because I, and I think too, because it's that, cause I agree with you, that idea of like, if you have some beautiful gift to share with humanity, it should be shared, right? Sure. Yeah, exactly. But it, it doesn't make you any less of a person if that, at least the the things that we find valuable, right? Yeah. We, we as a society, exactly. not we as you and I, um, you know, because, you know, I had, I heard a good example of it within the last two weeks, probably within the last week of um, this gentleman who's like an up and coming comic and is doing well as comics go, one of his friends was like patting him on a back on the back of like, like, Oh, you did so good. You like, 
look what you've accomplished. Look. Yeah. And, and the guy was like, yeah, but what about if I had Parkinson's? Like, what about if I had some debilitating wow. thing? Like, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. You know, and he was talking yeah. about this idea of randomness. Well, his greater point was a healthcare point. Like, yeah, right. people should have access to that. But within the, the the smaller context was just the randomness of like, you know, his his mom suffers from mental illness. So she's in an institution, you know, and he talked about what, how, how impossible that was almost for his family to even have that situation, you know, end up in a, a position in a, a, in a good quote unquote good position yeah. compared to a you normal know, thing. Yeah. Where, you know, it could have bankrupted the family, you know, ended yeah. up homeless, so on and so forth. Right. And so it, that really stuck with me of, of just like the randomness of even just something we take for granted when we are healthy. Yeah. Right. Our health. Exactly. Um, and then the, at least in the Christian world, the scapegoating of those who are sick. Mm. So it's a very evil thing. Uh, so, so when my life doesn't match, you know, chaos hits my life, uh, chronic health issues or mental health issues, uh, or uh, accidents and incidents happen. Uh, my life story is uncomfortable for those, for the God's will people, for the people mm -hmm. who, who's, who are in the plan. Uh, so they need to have an answer that makes them feel more comfortable with, with the chaos that they see affecting my life. And so they'll say, well, he must have stepped out of God's will. Mm. He must have stepped out of God's covering. He didn't pray. Yeah. Hard enough last Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. Even even in the prosperity, uh, 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 American dream for Jesus theology that's very popular in this country and in the world in Africa too. Uh, God basically will make you rich. Mm -hmm. uh, when you bring up the subject of Job in those in those circles, they'll say, "Well, there's no verse that says Job had a covenant with God. Therefore, no covenant, <laughs> no protection." And so you see how the American exceptionalism is in there, you know? Well, you're not a citizen of the greatest country, uh, and you're not a fan of the greatest team, and you didn't grow uh, up in the greatest race. Yeah, that's what they're really saying, and an economic uh, circle. Um, so it's really just empirism masked as Christianity, which we've done very well for 2,000 years. Christians have, uh, you know, so... Uh, you know, mi mixing empire and indigenous spirituality. Jesus is is an example of indigenous spirituality, right? In that sense. Well, yeah, and definitely being um, from the from from an oppressed class, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You know, you are the salt of the earth. That's who he's preaching to. Yeah, you know, people of the earth, not people of the empire. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it doesn't matter. There's no good empire, whether it's, you know, in that sense, whether it's Rome or, uh, you know, or any of those, Egypt. Um. And and so sort of this, so sort of shifting a little bit within this idea. So actually, no, more, this is actually better. So within this place of chaos, yeah, right? So, so let's step... Let's step out of the certitude, right? Yeah. We're, we're acknowledging life, the unknown, the, right. the, the quote-unquote chaos, the randomness. 
you could put a you could put a hundred words on it. Right. So within that context, someone that that's either in the middle of it or walking through it, maybe they feel like they're coming out on the other side. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people I've I've noticed run back to the certitude. Like they they go through the chaos, right? And right. Then they run back to the certitude. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Because it's um well known, right? Yeah, like, it feels safe. It feels yeah, it's it feels familiar, feels comfortable. But maybe someone that that is questioning that and they're coming out on this this idea. And not that they need to find a meaning of life, but sort of what are some of the things you would point towards to inspire them to search for whatever that yeah. meaning, whatever that beautiful thing is they might want to indo- you know, bring yeah. to the world. Even if it's just one other, you know, they help one other person across the street this afternoon or some, you know, something okay, that might yeah. seem minuscule but yeah. is profound in the moment, right? Yeah, that I think you're hitting on that idea of what's called uh, exceptionalism or uh, exceptionality. Mm. In other words, uh, well, it goes back to, yeah, there, there was a psychiatrist named Lyndon Duke who spent uh, a lot of his research on why, why do people commit suicide, particularly okay. young people. And he went through, he took a linguistic approach in the, in the suicide notes mm. and, and found that the common phraseology, if you will, the common theme of, of young people's suicides was, uh, I'm not making a difference in this life. It doesn't mm. matter whether I'm here or not here. I've made no difference at all. And, uh, and so he began to, to take it that direction. So instead of asking patients, uh, what do you need to make you happy? Because that's a common question we all ask. What sure. do I need to make me happy? Yeah. Uh, or, or the question of uh, what huge difference can I make in the world? Uh, but instead, or, or how can I be a good person? So, mm. so eliminating those questions and asking the question, what small difference can I make today? Not the difference that I would like to make, but can't, but the difference I can make, the small difference I can make right now. This could be as minuscule as, as picking up a piece of trash. Uh, I appreciate that about my dad. He always made us pick up trash on the football field of his intramurals Interesting. Uh, stuff. And it just he got me in that habit yeah. to, to always clean up trash, you know. And, and, a, and I get off on when no one sees it. It's weird. Yeah. My dad instilled that in me, you know. Uh, to, so, so to do things. So you're not, you mean you're not in the middle of the desert picking up the Coke can? With your cell phone in your hand, taking the selfie to post on Facebook, like, hey, everyone. And, and shaming those animals out there, those savages out there. Can you there. believe people Look threw at trash on here? I can't believe it. It was your can. You just forgot. But anyways. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. So, this idea. So, we're all, particularly in our culture, you're, you know, no one, parents don't say, wow, I hope you, you know, to a kindergarten kid, I hope you, you're, you're going to start school. And uh, and I I'm so excited that you can get C's, you know? average. <laughs> and you can be, be an average, average student. <laughs> Nobody says that, you know. And and so we're always, you know, you always hope for uh, to be above average, right? And to be best. And that, so that's exceptionalism. That's that's exceptional uh, or uh, exceptionality. And and it can be a plague. It could be, uh, you know, it might be a useful tool on many days, but 
a lot of times it's it's uh, it does not serve you. It actually mm. causes great pain uh, for people's lives because it's substituted for the core of who I am that I'm precious in my fragility, mm. that I'm beloved uh, because I'm here. Uh, uh, and so it's a presence-driven life, not a purpose-driven life. Uh, and so, so what difference, small difference can I make today? Uh, and, and, you know, it could be saving something as simple as saving an insect from a pool, uh, you know, from, from, you know, drowning in water. Uh, instead of smashing a bug, you, uh, you save it. You know, mm-hmm. well, it's just a bug. Well, it's a small difference. And that's, Small differences go a long way. In a lot, in a lot of ways, they go even further than the big. That's why Christ shows up. He doesn't show up as a conquering mm-hmm. uh, Jewish uh, warrior, savior. No, he doesn't show up on a white horse. He rides a, a borrowed ass. Mm. <laughs> you know, and the English makes it really funny. It's almost comical, right? He rides in on an ass, <laughs> yeah. and uh, he comes in as a peasant. Uh, like I said, the salt of the earth. Uh, not as uh, somewhat from the empire. Moses, the great, the 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 great liberator uh, of the Jews, the lawgiver. Uh, he he grows up in empire. He's indigenous. He's an indigenous Jew, and and then grows up. You know, he gets adopted into the empire, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then he has to leave the empire uh, and become uh, his own people again in order to lead them, and so. So, you know, it's an interesting kind of thing. I think I just went way off the rails. Well, no, 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 no. I think, no, I think that did, it does set up in the sense of kind of going back to this um, a few minutes ago of the difference you want to make versus the difference you can make. Yeah, it's big. Today. Um, and, And looking at that, In the sense of, if I make a little difference every single day, right? It doesn't even have to be in the same direction, right? Like, yeah, I can mow my neighbor's lawn one day and um, whatever. Say, you know, save a bug from drowning the next day, and um, you know, I think those little things add up in a way it ripples out. Yeah. So not only are you, not only am I making a little difference in my neighbor's day. But it, it ripples out in the sense of maybe they're inspired to to make that next little difference or someone witnessing a little difference is inspired to make a little difference. Yeah. Um, because I think the other side of the, you know, if someone sees me steal five bucks out of someone's pocket, they could be inspired to be like, oh, well, if that guy can do it, I can steal yeah. five bucks, you know. And, and so I think the opposite can be rippled out as well. And it's like, uh, like, who do I, who do I try to be? Who do I strive to be within the next twenty four hours? Exactly. You know, and, and somebody that's really strong, even just with your own self. I would, I've given this advice often. It's, it's, it's not this. You have to go climb this mountain and mm. find this guru. No, uh, why don't you try stay hydrated this week? Why don't you work on that? Mm-hmm. Drink a lot of water. Uh, drink the proper amount of water or simply get sleep this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so very simple things, you know, the stuff your mama told you, right? 
uh, uh, David, learned, drink water. The things drink you learn water. in kindergartens. Yeah, my mom was always telling me that. Get sleep and drink water uh, and get sunlight. Yeah. yeah. Very simple three things. And, and then, yeah, they make a, they accumulate uh, before you know it. And, and it's a good thing. And and we kind of got we did get off in the sense of uh, was it Doctor Duke? Uh, Lyndon Duke was Lyndon his name. Duke. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know a whole lot about him. And so so, uh, what were some of the things that uh, the research that he completed pointed to as far as as helping helping someone not go down the path of suicide? Yeah. Right. Like I said, he, it was too. Help people switch the questions of their lives. So most people, we have the question, how can I be happy? What do I need to be happy? What profound thing Uh, can I do to change the world? So instead of, no, what, yeah, what what kind of, and in Christianity, in particularly charismatic Christianity, there is this egoic hubris, this huge pride. I'm going to be a missionary. Mm. I'm going to go to the nations. It's never, really, why don't you just show up to your kids uh, or to your parents? Stop being an ass. Uh, and and but no, they're going to go to the nations, uh, that kind of thing. So so usually when you know, you start talking like that, or it's or it'll be in future tense. Uh, you know, the baby boomer elders in our lives always told Marsha and I, one of these days you're going to bloom. Your <laughs> gifts are going to come. They're still we're in our fifties and they're and they're in their eighties now, and they're still telling us that. And we stopped listening to them decades ago because we're like, you don't recognize the blooming that's in our lives. Yeah. Uh, so. Okay, boomer. And so, uh, so there's, you know, so, so it's not, you got to stop asking that question. What do I need to be happy? Uh, how can I be a good person, a better person? How can I be the best at this, mm-hmm. or the best at that? And, and s- simply chop it into a very simple question. What small difference can I make today? Um, and that, and that's a spiritual discipline to do that, I think. For sure. And, and I think meaning begins to unfold. And then patterns, you start living that way, and then a pattern begins to form. And that pattern is really what they call God's will. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. The, these, you know, sets of, of circumstances and coincidences that'll begin to, to uh, present themselves in front of you. That's basically God's, God's will. A lot of the, the heavy... The people that are really heavy, well, this is God's will. Like, uh, for example, I was, and I think we've talked about this. I was in the ICU uh, dying of sepsis, and my uh, partner in prison ministry, uh, who was born with cerebral palsy, was already in his 60s at this point. Mm. He started preaching, this is God's will for you, Uh, you know, and and which, you know, because he and I always had the, we, we, I was I was on the God is a collage artist, multimedia mm-hmm. artist, and he was on the side of God is a paint by numbers, which was strange because he was a Baptist, but we won't get into that. Because yeah, they're more, yeah, they're more into free will and choice in their in their theology. They're not Calvinists. Mm. Uh, they came out of Arminian theology, which is you know, we have free agency, free will, and the anyway. Um, we can talk about that some other day, of course. Uh, but he needed that. He needed to know that the suffering I was going through, my organs oh. failing, was God's will. And uh, because he was born with cerebral palsy, so he had to to get up in the, in, in the morning. He needed to believe this was God's choice yeah. for me. 
for him to function. That's what he needed. Right. Well, I was the opposite. I'm, I, I buried a brother at the age of 23, and he was 21, and uh, this was God's will. I can't trust a God that, that would, well, you know, it was God's will for your brother's head to get crushed by a rock wall right. as his car tumbled through it. Um, I can't. I don't want to be with that God for eternity. He would uh, plan that. Mm -hmm. And so, so we were at opposite tables, my brother and I on that. And, but I realized what they're really saying is you're not in control of this. This is a random mm -hmm. thing. And so it's not, why did this happen? It's what now, what can I do at this moment? And, and, you know, and in the ICU for me at that moment, again, I want to, I can't stress enough how big, small, ordinary things are. An average life is such a good thing. Uh, an ordinary life is a huge blessing. Uh, and so for me on the ICU bed at four in the morning, uh, I could hear the docks. Uh, I could hear the loading dock. Uh, the, 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 for the hospital. Yeah, you know, the, that irritating uh, when they go in, the truck goes in reverse, the, the, the warning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I could hear the, the noises of the warehouse. That was extremely comforting to me that, the, that there is life and it goes on. And then I would see, look out into the hallway and the young nurse would be flirting with the tall a young doctor, you know, <laughs> she's going to land him herself a doctor, you know, <laughs> kind of, and just to see how life and and that, that kind of stuff goes on and and is moving on, and I'm a part of it, even though I'm dying here. There was a comfort to that. It's a very small thing. Mm -hmm. um, when it's so interesting too. Well, just a point about the prayer. It's so interesting in that sense that a lot of times people's prayers that I've, I've witnessed or that I've, I've even had myself, those prayers are more to comfort the individual praying. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. whether it's like, you know, this is God's will or, you know, please get me out of this jam or, right. you know what I mean? You know, make this person's suffering goes, go away. Because if that person's suffering goes away, then I don't have to be eye to eye yeah. with how painful suffering is. Right. Someone that I love and care for. Um, but the yeah. other... That's what it is. The other fascinating part about these little things is they're constantly going on around us all the time, right? This ordinary life. Right. But most of the time, by most people, I think it, I'm safe in saying that, it goes uh, unnoticed. Right. Yeah. You know, exactly. It, it, it takes, uh, well, with the example you gave, it, it takes laying in, a, in your deathbed, literally, yeah. To be able to let those things bubble to the surface of how important they are in their smallness. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then surviving, seemingly miraculously surviving that, because uh, the, the survival rate of sepsis is very small. And, uh, and the fact that I'm not on dialysis now, and right. all that, you know, I recovered fairly fully uh, from it. And, so then, yeah, people tried to put that exceptionalism on me. Oh, you must be chosen. Mm -hmm. God's not done with you yet. And so then there was this pressure that I have to be exceptional now. You know, one doctor, even though she was a terrible doctor, <laughs> uh, she was awful. Uh, and she was a, a born-again Christian, so th there you are. Uh, but she told me, wow, God spared you, uh, so he must have a purpose for you. You're probably going to lay your hands on people, and they're going to get healed, and you know, these miraculous powers are going to flow through you. She was ready to sign you up as a televangelist. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, get behind me, Satan, and stop charging me so much. 
uh, for coming into my room for doing nothing but causing me stress. Uh, and so I had to, I had to, uh, 10 years ago, I had to decide, no, average is what we, we shoot for small, ordinary. Uh, this is not a sign that my life is to be even more exceptional than it ever was. Uh, because, because God spared me, you know, for mm -hmm. a, a greater purpose kind of thing. Uh, mm -hmm. while I was dying in the hospital, my wife, Marcia told me, uh, in Juarez, the violence in Juarez was pretty mm -hmm. bad at the time. There right. was a narco ward from about 2008 to maybe 12. Uh, and there was a family whose mother was, the mother was gunned down in, in random street violence. And then the two sons, adult sons, you know, they're in their early 20s. Mm -hmm. They were uh, organizing uh, soccer clubs for kids in Juarez. Mm -hmm. And then they were both gunned down on the field. And this poor father was left alone in this world. And, 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 and so the, you know, the survivor's guilt just being there, you know, they, these guys in their twenties doing, who already lost their mother and here I am surviving, you know, so you can't assign meaning to that kind of stuff or you'll, or you'll go uh, crazy, you know? Well, yeah, I was going to say you can assign meaning to it, but you know, what, what, that second part, yeah. Of, you know, the meaning became my the my personal suffering and illness was in solidarity with their emotional suffering and loss, mm. and and we were connected in that sense, even though we'll never meet. And so, and I think we covered that really, really beautifully a few episodes back. We we did an episode about pain, yeah, and and sort of that so that solidarity. Yeah. So that creates meaning in your life and. And I believe it, it goes outward too. I believe there's a spiritual power to it, mm -hmm. and and so, yeah. Well, and and to go back to that comment I made made about prayer, a lot of times is to make the person praying feel better. But there is something powerful about prayer. Yeah, engaging you know prayers for someone else. Exactly, you know, and and um, I mean, I was struggling with that. I I did. I participated in the living school at the Center for Action and Contemplation, Richard Rohr, James Finley, Cynthia Bourgeau. Uh, and, uh, and I was really struggling with the idea of intercessory prayer, which is praying for things to happen. Usually you're praying for a healing or you're praying for, you know, uh, world situations and people's finances. Which was a big part of your your spiritual path right, yeah. through the vineyard and everything else. Exactly. And you're praying for these things to have, for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven kind of thing. And then contemplative prayer is kind of accepting what is mm. and loving what is. And so, so I, I couldn't reconcile those two emotionally. It was at an emotional point. I was, it was actually causing me a lot of pain, emotional pain. W was this recently or while you were going through the school? Yeah, it was while I was going through the okay. school. This would have been something like, 2018, mm -hmm. 2017, somewhere around there. So it's not that long ago. I'm in my 50s, so a couple of years ago was not was like a couple of months ago. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, yeah, we gave that kid a little uh, toy for his. Yeah, that kid's in college now. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I thought that was last month. Um, and so, so I had a conversation with Richard Rohr on this, a very brief conversation. It's not like I don't, I don't want to give you the impression that. You know, I go on long, windy walks together or anything like that. But had, I was in the had school. A had a chatty uh, yeah. coffee date. <laughs> but I told him, I said, I'm struggling with this issue. 
I, I can't seem to reconcile intercessory prayer, asking God for things, asking for situations to resolve in a good way, and then and accepting things as they are, uh, the way contemplative prayer. And he, and, he, and he said, well, in intercessory prayer, it's fine. It has an emotional release to it. It's for you. Uh, but your ego is still in charge. Mm. Your, your, your selfish ambition is still present. And um, whereas contempl- contemplative prayer, you know, that's being released uh, and, and taking a, a back seat of waiting to see what God will do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're more like a, uh, like in the miracle of, of in, at Cana in the Gospel of John, uh, you're you're more of the servants. Uh, when he changed water into when Jesus changed water into wine, so his mother is telling him, you know, do it, and she tells them, just hold on, and the workers just uh, all they did was fill up the jars and and waited to see what would happen, mm-hmm. and all they did was serve it, and so that's kind of the the uh, contemplative way of handling those things rather than um, promoting, you know, it says after it happened and everyone was happy and the wedding was great. Uh, It says no one knew who changed or how the water was changed into wine or who did it or how it happened. uh, But the servants knew Mm. and they didn't go around. They didn't get a television program or a podcast. (laughs) They didn't Uh, get a reality TV show. Yeah. They they just (laughs) simply, yeah, this guy from Nazareth, he's all right. He, he made the party last. A week. <laughs> well, it's really interesting because that, that that's one of the things, and it's funny because it kind of goes against both things. But in the recovery world, one of the one of the things that's that's recommended or suggested is um, at the end of your prayer, uh, God's will be done, right? Because usually yeah. the first, usually my prayer is ego filled. Right. You know, especially early on. When yeah, I, you start there. Yeah. Yeah. And then, but there was that, at least for me, good reminder at the end, like, well, that might not be God's will. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like what, what you're praying for, whatever it might be, uh, to get, you know, to get the reality TV show or, you know, to become rich and famous. And, right. You know, if that's your starting point, it's like, well, that might not be God's will. Right. And so yeah. through the years, um, From just keeping it that at the end of prayers for me is a good, just a good reminder of I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the the chaos that's coming. I don't know the randomness that's out there. I don't know. Um, I don't know what's around the corner, right? Um so I mix that with silence, <sighs> right? And the practice of sitting right. quietly and and waiting, kind of like you just described. Yeah. Um there's, yeah, there's something very mysterious sort of folding those two things yeah. together. It's like the empty tomb closed up. Mm. Something amazing, strange, and mysterious emerging. Mm-hmm. And you may never, yeah, you'll probably, you won't figure that out. Yeah, at least not 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 in this lifetime or <laughs> or maybe many, many lifetimes to come. Bless you. Sorry, that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't COVID. <laughs> don't, don't COVID on me. Uh, so, so sort of wrapping up here with, with, we started off with this idea of, of God's plan for us, right? This idea of like paint my yeah, number, yeah. finding our, our exceptional meaning to, of life. Yeah. Um, 
sort of projecting into the future, uh, this blooming or blossoming, and then sort of what, what we've been talking about at the end here with, with prayer, right? Whether it be intercessory or, or contemplative prayer and just sort of <clears throat> shuffling those three together or those four things together and, and how, how do I, how would you suggest for me waking up in the morning, walking into the unknown of the next 24 hours and just trying to approach it in a, a meaningful way, um, or just maybe not even meaningful, just a sustainable way. Yeah. You mean when you get up in the morning, a practice you can do or just, yeah. What I mean, I, th- I think a very simple thing you could do is, uh, uh, a simple prayer. So you sit at the edge of your bed when you get up maybe and put your hands over your chest and say a very simple prayer. Say, uh, I am beloved because you are love. And and then begin your day like that. And then when you begin to think of your, your loved ones as you start moving around, uh, there, there's, uh, I incorporate the Buddhist practice of the compassion meditation, mm-hmm. which is simply, it's intercessory prayer in the Christian world, but it's, it's simplified. And I just say, instead of the specific, you know, because in, in the charismatic world, they'll always be specific in your <laughs> in your uh, petitions or God won't be able to know. Be concrete in your examples. Yeah, exactly. So no, come on. No, but simply, you know, so you go with your, your mother, your father, your wife, your husband, your kids, you just kind of hold them into the into the light of your heart so to speak you're holding them in your mind and you just simply say may you be at peace today may you be safe today may you be whole today may you be healthy today and then and then move on you know uh and then you turn on the news and you see that you know the world hasn't changed and things are getting worse and they always have been getting worse and uh that's never going to change uh and then you you th- one a meditation I do is is Carl Sagan's pale blue dot. You can look that up. Oh right! It's this photo that I have in, etched in my memory of the Voyager uh, uh, spacecraft. Right. Took the last photograph as it exited our solar system. Took the last photograph of our Earth, and it looks like just a a piece of blue dust mm-hmm. on a on a sunbeam. And that's us. That's our planet. That's Earth. I picture that in my head, and I, and I just say, may you be healthy, may you be at peace, may you be whole, and and you just, you know, that's the simple difference I can make mm-hmm. just in prayer that day, and then you get up and you and you go along your day, and you you meet your coworker who irritates the hell out of you because they uh, cook fish in the microwave <laughs> at work, and uh, that's an old, that's an old yeah. one. No one's going into an office anymore, right? Uh, and and you and you and you know you say the same thing, may you and, and so someone that irritates me mm-hmm. uh, on those day to day, I uh, the first my first thoughts are acrimony and you know like I such a jackass you know those thoughts and then I convert those thoughts to I picture them and I picture myself looking in the mirror mm-hmm. and I see their face looking back at me right. in the mirror and I say may you be happy, may you be at peace, may you be whole. Uh, because in that prayer for them is the prayer for me. 
and and uh, so that's kind of what I do these days to be average, to be. Uh, well, and I, th- you know, and I think that's, you know, that's a, a perfect example. And and the one thing I would add is, uh, these are just, this is just what works for you, right? Right. Yeah, these are yeah. the things that that help these days, right? Yeah. Today, you know, it may today. shift something else later. Yeah, and, and so my uh, my petition to the listener would be, you know, if you don't have those practices that connect you on a daily basis, um, do some experimentation. Yeah. Whether it's prayer, whether it's silent meditation, um, whether it's listening to poetry or reading poetry, um, going out in nature, yeah. you know, going in, and sitting up against a tree and letting the sun hit your face. Um there's this might be blasphemous uh-huh. but there's uh-huh. there's there's a million there's an infinite ways of uh, connecting with creation right and create uh, connecting with your with your fellow human beings and and um, but part of that for me part of that responsibility falls on my shoulders of what what are those ways of connecting yeah so I mean eventually your prayers become your actions mm-hmm and, and then your actions become your life. And then your life becomes God's will, if you will. Yeah. Becomes the plan. Uh, since you mentioned Viktor Frankl, we need to Vic, uh, mention uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel, uh, who's the great rabbi, mystical, mystic rabbi who marched with Martin Luther King Jr. And he told his daughter that when he was marching in Selma with, with the civil rights movement, with Dr. King that his legs as he was walking his legs were praying mm. his legs were praying his feet were praying uh, and there's you know I've heard indigenous people in uh, in America uh, native first nations people say they they uh, dance their prayers mm. All right. so and, and I connect with I walk my prayers as well and so so yeah so his legs were praying yeah. and so you see the how the his activism became his prayer. His prayer became his activism, and, and it was bodily, his incarnational. It's not a bad way to live your life. It's a beautiful way to live your yeah. life. Uh, thank you. Thank you, sir. We got through another one on this somber day. On this somber day. Uh, thank you all for listening and tuning in. Um, if you want to check out more about uh, Desert Rain community in general, or uh, find some of David's uh, other prayers that he's shared throughout the years, uh, poems, um, thoughts. DRC, or excuse me, uh, theruin.com is the place to go check out all that information. Um, the other website I was about to give, drcrpod.com, is the place to uh, listen to any of our other episodes. Um, well, by the time this one launches, we'll have probably close or over 40. episodes up so um and what you hear in the background is our our good friend jacob nedia monk drums Uh, that's what you hear on the outro so uh thank you once again for tuning in and uh thank you for your time david much love everybody